So one before before we really get deep into it, let me let me start with this. I mean, the, the podcast hasn't started yet. Yeah. Well, when we decided to watch this movie, yeah, I wanted to know whether this was a movie that was misunderstood and underappreciated in its time. Was it? No. I would say no as well. Yeah. There, there are things that are underrated and there are things that are overrated. And this is a movie that is rated. It is neither over or under. It is evaluated as exactly where it's supposed to be. Except for Billy Zane. Billy Zane is great. Underappreciated in his time, Billy Zane. Underrated. Welcome to Subject to Blackout. My name is Timo. With me, as always, is Mike from the Name Taken Podcast. Mike, uh, we just watched 1996 The Phantom. Yes, we did. And uh, as you succinctly put it in the run-up there, yeah, this movie is rated. Uh, It was a uh, kind of financial flop, a box office flop when it came out. And I, I can see it. I can see why it was. This movie is perfectly acceptable. Um, and I don't, here's a question for you off the bat. Yeah, sure. Where did this movie come from? Because a lot of times, like I get it, like Mortal Kombat, um, you know, uh, it's a movie that's trying to capture on an extremely popular video game. Uh, some of the other movies we've done, Rush Hour, trying to uh, do an updated sort of buddy cop movie <clears throat> from like, the 1980s right uh the fast and the furious films i mean the first one is literally trying to be a worse remake of point break this film is it just trying to be like hey everybody went to go see batman yeah i mean so the movie so the phantom was a a character in a serialized comic from the 1930s. So it emerges from the same era as Batman, like before superheroes had superpowers when they were just super rich and like did crime fighting as a hobby. And it is pre Batman. Yeah. So, so the phantom really like exists from that timeline. It's cool that they brought a bunch of these old comics out. It's a shame that, they couldn't give Billy Zane more to do with it. I I will not slander Billy Zane. Say okay. Billy well, Zane. then I will slander Billy <gasps> Zane. I don't know. Billy Zane is an attractive man. I don't think Billy he's Zane. a bad actor um, necessarily, but I think he's kind of one note. I don't think Billy Zane brings a lot of nuances to his roles. Um. You think of uh, uh, the portrayal of Clark Kent and Superman in the Dick Donner Superman movies. Uh-huh. And uh, like you get two different performances out of. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that actor's name? Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. You get you get two different performances out of Christopher Reeve for both Superman and uh, uh, Clark Kent. And like there are scenes in The Phantom where. Like when he's a, he when he goes back to the cab as the Phantom in New York City, uh, after only meeting the cabbie as his as Kit, um, he 
that is played the exact same way. And it's the exact same voice and it's the exact same mannerisms. Um, And I don't know if that's a thing that they were going for, but I haven't seen much in the way of a Billy Zane performance where I felt like he wasn't just being Billy Zane the whole time. I mean, some actors are really good at just sort of doing that. Nicolas Cage, Jack Nicholson, Billy Zane, you know? So, like, there are definitely (laughs) actors within that tradition who are just sort of like themselves all the time. I thought you were going to be serious and be like, Leo DiCaprio is mostly himself. Um, I would say Tom Hanks is mostly himself. Like, these are guys who aren't very good at putting on characters, but they're charming enough where uh, they sort of take over the role but that's why you don't cast leo dicaprio as batman because he's not going to do the silly voice that someone who's psychotic like christian bale will do <laughs> just not going to just like lose a fuck little weight for no reason yes like yo don't lose any weight be chill dude yeah yeah i i don't hate billy zane's performance but i mean we're watching this in a world where We've seen so many iterations of similar movies. Yeah. I mean, just off the top of my head, in the first 15 minutes, this movie felt like Batman, Indiana Jones, and Zorro all in one. Um, yeah, and- who who are coincidentally uh, also from all the same time period. Zorro also comes from the 1930s. Yeah. Although those were those were books, but yeah. And Zorro, Zorro predates Phantom. Batman is after Phantom. Mm-hmm. So there's you can and. It, the Mask of Zorro is the movie that the Waynes are seeing when they go to the theater in the comics. So, yeah. like, there's there's a whole path there that you can see, like, Zorro to Phantom to Batman. And that's why there's a bunch of uh, overlaid context. But then again, there's this Indiana Jones of, like, hey, let's just set it in, like, the 1930s <clears throat> or 40s. Right. Give everybody hats. And then there were, all there, the bad guys can basically be like Nazi stand-ins. Yeah, and there were there. I mean, there were even a number of scenes that were kind of like shot for shot from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> pulling people out of a moving truck, that kind of a thing. Yeah, that Some whole the, bridge sequence. Yeah, a lot of the horse riding <clears throat> stunts and those things. Those things were all Raiders of the Lost Ark for sure. Um, but this is also this is also super campy. I think, and I think we should. I felt it could have been more camp. Could have been more camp, but let's let's talk about the premise and let's talk about the introduction because I took a lot of notes for that, and I feel like it could never possibly be done again for a number of reasons. So let me know let's if I'm go. missing. Let me know if I'm missing any details. So the Phantom, at least the origin story within the movie, he's like a child on like a boat. <clears throat> it's like the 17th original. century, the original yeah. Phantom, and they're like pirates. Pirates attack the boat. He ends up jumping overboard, washing up on this island, which is, it's not really distinguished. It's not really explained where this island is, by the way. So at first, I thought it was Africa. And uh, that's what the comic the description is Africa. But then everyone's like Indian later. So you're yeah. kind of like, and there's British colonials there. So you're like, all right, well. Which I kind of, okay. I kind of appreciate that <laughs> retconning because it was supposed to be <clears throat> Africa, according to um, the original comic. Because uh, I did a little bit of research on this, because I was confused, because that kid seemed Indian that uh, was working with him, and sure enough, they they shot a lot of the like, the island scenes in Thailand, mm-hmm. so they were going for like a Bay of Bengal type atmosphere, 
And I thought that was a nice change from just setting it in Africa and being like, you know. Right. So there was, so that, that was good. Stereotypical. That was good. So he washes up as a child and all of these tribesmen are just kind of there on the beach by happenstance. And they're just like, this is great. We're in the market for a white savior. Come join us. And then, so they kind of like teach him ninja stuff, I guess. And he becomes the sort of like white protector of this island, which is probably partially why he's called the ghost. Because he's, he's like super white. I was but, about to ask, like, yeah, do they call him the phantom because he's a white guy? So, and then, and then what we're led to believe here is that through successive generations, the phantom always has a son who is prepared to take up the mantle of the phantom when a previous like phantom like dies or gets killed or whatever. So everyone always <laughs> thinks that this dude's like around. No one really seems to ever guess that there's a possibility that like other people put, can put on a unitard. It's Pe- not possible. People, it people has to be the same person. To this, to this supernatural explanation that he's been around for 400 years. And then we cut to the present day where somehow Billy Zane as the Phantom, Kit Walker, a deeply 1930s name, has somehow managed to acquire on this remote island a purple unitard and a wolf. He has the, and a white horse. And guns. And, and the and the horse and the wolf can talk to each other. Yes, and they can every and they can all communicate. And they have like metal names like devil and stuff. So like so that's that's really where our our movie opens up. And then as far as powers, he's kind of like he kind of has stealth powers, but then he also has guns. So he doesn't really He does he, have guns. So he has he has wealth, which is not really explained where that comes from. Uh He's able to trade in gemstones that have already been yeah. cut. <laughs> yeah, I would say that the way yeah, that's true. I did uh, note, I did rub up against that. I was like, why are they cut if he's just walking around with like rare gems and you're saying that's from, you know, uh Bengali um, or I guess it, the, from he just finds them on the ground, I guess. Yeah. I, perfectly cut. Uh but yeah, I I don't think the movie the movie hints at his wealth. Um, and he acts like a rich guy, but it, the wealth does not play much into the plot. No. Other than he can like fly to new, like he doesn't have gadgets. He's not like Batman in that way. Well, we do know that he was, so he was born on this Island and then educated in the United States and then, yes. sent, and then went back to this Island to go do like ninja training. Cause his dad got killed. Cause his dad got killed. Um, yeah, so in that way, like, that to me is like uh, the, is it The Mask of Zorro, the the Antonio Banderas film? Yes. With Catherine Zeta-Jones, yeah. just like this. Uh, Where you inherit that, the role of Zorro, yeah. Yeah, and I, 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 very strong vibes to that, and that film also has a lot of, like, fun set pieces with horses and whatnot. Well, uh, I'm not, yeah. But I, I was just going to say that, like, the the rich Batman vibe is definitely there, but it yes. just it feels underused in this film. It's just like, oh, that's how he knows the female protagonist. Um and like I guess he's good at museums. I don't I don't know. There there doesn't seem to be a lot of runway with the wealth that they imply throughout the film. 
Yeah, I mean, the, the issue with the movie, I guess, is that, like, there's a bunch of ideas and they don't really run with any of them. Like, yeah. we know that he's wealthy. We know that he's kind of like Batman. Like, nothing ever gets, like, like really developed and, like, integrated. So you have, like, a lot of these, like, cool scenes and cool ideas. And they don't really be, like, really become. They're not, like, synthesized into anything, which is kind of a shame. Uh, because, you know, Billy Zane. But when we the the key motivator like the MacGuffin in this movie are these skulls and apparently crystal skulls almost yes almost <laughs> George Lucas was watching this like you know what I can fuck this up even more he should hide in a refrigerator <laughs> you think that's bad hold my blue milk motherfucker <laughs> Just wait till everyone sees this. <laughs> so, um, so there are these skulls also kind of like from the island. And, you know, like as people do, they create a thing that like can, you know, cause untold destruction. Uh, just like, just like in Fast and Furious. Hey, let's make a doomsday device. Yeah. Sure. We got, we got funding. Why? Reasons. <laughs> so, so there's a doomsday device. And it's from like slamming together these three skulls and uh, they're like metal, like metal skulls. And they're like scattered across the world. Yeah. Fucking metal. Super metal. Scattered across the world. And uh, all one has to do in order to, you know, harness the power of these three skulls is to find them and put them together. So whoever decided to scatter them could have tried harder because it takes about 40 minutes for the main villain to get all three skulls, and he really only had to travel like one place. And the main villain, <clears throat> whose name, by the way, is Xander Drax. Drax. Xander Drax of the start <laughs> starts with an X and ends with an X, <laughs> as he says in the film. A classic waspy name, the Draxes. <laughs> uh, oh, the the skulls. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he basically sends his one henchman out, Quill, to go get a skull. Uh, he immediately succeeds. Yeah. And that's what alerts the Phantom to the presence of the skulls. Uh, then he is given the skull in New York City, and he's like, ah, this is your first of three skulls. It's pretty much useless without the other two. And Xander is like, oh, where I need to know where one is. Well, then why didn't you get get the one? Yeah, it was it was under your nose and you would have already had two by the time you alerted the phantom to the presence or to the to the just fact that you were acquiring it. Yeah, stupid as fuck. And then the the two skulls. Thank God when he combined the two skulls for the first time. There was a map of the exact part of that. Earth. I love that part too. Yeah, so, so that they could, so that they could burn where the island was, even though right. multiple planes <clears throat> and ships have gone missing. So hey, maybe people should be like checking out the area, seeing if there's an island we don't know about. But no, no, no. Everyone's just like, well, that plane went missing. So yeah, fuck no one it. really investigates in this in this particular universe. That that is a fun part. So. That, so when two of the skulls are brought together, they indicate the location of what the third skull. But the, the movie. So do you remember? Like this must have come out 
a few years after. Do you remember The Mummy Returns where the kid puts on the bracelet and like there's a vision before him which shows like a location of a particular thing? Do you remember that? In Brandon Fraser's The Mummy? In The Mummy, in the second one, Mummy Returns. Ooh. You remember I that do one? not remember we that. We should watch that one. But yeah, so he puts on a wrist thing. And <laughs> no. then there's just in a, in a vision, he sees the location of this thing. As opposed to doing that, which, which would be acceptable because this yeah. is already supernatural. There happens to be a map in the room, which he has combined these skulls in. And they laser point to a spot on the map. So like, what if yeah, he if, hadn't had a map? Would it just like... What it- if they had just projected like two parts of a map and the one part that overlaid on top of each other was where it was. Yeah. Like boom, that's done. cool. Easy. Yeah. But instead it shoots a laser beam at a, at map, a map that is conveniently like, can the skulls see it? And they go, Oh, we don't have to like write this on the wall. We can just point. <laughs> like It makes no sense. It makes zero fucking sense. Um, yeah, I thought that was really dumb. Um, and and speaking of uh, the bad guy in that scene, I believe just before that, he's having like a henchman meeting in his uh, you yep. know, New York uh, tower where he claims God is dead. <laughs> and I thought that was I. so both of us remember seeing this movie in 1996 uh, and being excited about it. I remember leaving the theater and thinking like that was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> And I kind of stand by nine-year-old me's opinion on, on this film is it's not really great. It's fine. It's not really great. Um, but yeah, he, it. I thought it was pretty bold for the main villain of a 1996 PG film to claim that God was dead. And then when someone who uh, claims to have been raised Catholic, despite being a criminal, yeah. like tries to leave... Like he just murders him with a spear. Yeah, just with like javelins him. Like it's fucking the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. So, I uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's some things that like you could get away with in 1996 that you still can't get away with in, in the year of our Lord 2021. But um, yeah. Other than that, the main bad guy is is fairly fairly <clears throat> tame. I would say. He doesn't get to comic book level of villain. He's like mobster level villain. Yeah. Although the villain's superpower is also rich. So everybody's superpower is yeah. being rich. It's just being rich. Even the female protagonist, rich. Pretty yeah. much everybody's rich. Yeah, everybody's really rich in this. Yeah. One of the other issues that I had with the movie that, that I butted up against was the fact that there was some supernatural stuff yep that just kind of uh was thrown into an otherwise grounded film like billy zane's dead father's ghost yeah so just uh, yeah so routinely appears let's talk about that so unclear whether this is a superpower again his powers ninja stealth uh being a white dude on an island with a variety of different minorities who aid him in his management of the island and possible guns, guns also superpower. And uh, then unclear whether this is a superpower or if he's just like a weirdo who's just like spent too, too much too much time in isolation. 
at multiple points in the movie, he'll have like a conversation with his dead father and there will be some other character on site to be like, you're just talking to yourself. And he's like, yes, (laughs) totally. (laughs) Like if it's a superpower, just tell people it's a superpower. Are you Uh, talking to yourself? Like I am left unclear whether he's just sort of like kind of a weird dude. I'm 100% with you because his uh, partner, uh, uh, Grogu, I'm sorry, Garan, uh, who is basically the Robin of this movie. Yes. Which is fucking weird because it's super weird and gross that they're like riding a horse together and Garan is like way the fuck younger than Billy Zane. And actually, I again looked up all of the side characters. The kid who played Garan is uh, now a Catholic priest. Fair enough. Uh, went to Loyola in Chicago. Dude, we should track him down. Um, sure. Uh, and uh, he was in a couple other movies. He was um, allegedly in Minority Report. He was in a bunch mm. of TV shows, including Seinfeld, Will and Grace, Starman, Greg, ER. Um, yeah, like, this guy's crushing it. Yeah. Let's I looked f- all this shit up because he looked vaguely familiar. Let's track and, him down. And also went to Indiana University like I did. Yeah, let's track that um, dude down. So, I did say track that. Him down? Oh, okay. No, no. <laughs> Here no. he is. I learned all this information 38 minutes ago. So, no, I did not track him down. But, so, I say all of that to emphasize that, like, uh, pedophilia is not a thing that didn't cross my mind during this film, which is something that I don't want to cross my mind during a film. And then I learned that the character he's playing is supposed to be 10 years older than Kit Walker, but they just age reversed it. So he's 10 years younger. I see. And I was like, that's a choice. <laughs> that's a weird choice. And I think it's a choice based on Robin and Batman's relationship. Or short round. He or, was, yeah, he was kind of short roundy. Yeah. But so was the kid who they like tied up and made him drive across the bridge. Yeah. There were, there there were, were a, lot of, there were a lot of minority rounds. children who were just sort of like servants of the Phantom. Yeah, or the bad guys, as the case may be. Yeah, and let's, let's talk about like the climax of the movie. They end up in this island... There's a bunch of Asian stereotypes there. So we've rounded out a number of different stereotypes. And (laughs) at this point in the movie, this was bullshit. This I thought was fucking bullshit. So at the end of the movie, the rich rich dude, Xander Drax, gets all three skulls with, by the way, extremely little resistance the entire time. So if the Phantom is the guardian of these skulls, he's doing a terrible job. He found out about the skulls like 20 minutes before the movie, like, yeah, he's like, oh, or like crap. 20 minutes into the movie. He's like, oh, I guess there's these skulls and they're the most important thing. And his dad, ghost dad, is like, don't worry about it. We all fuck up. And he's like, well, you know, I fucked up, but it was these guys. And he's like, it what? was those guys. You're dead. Yeah. But, Anywho. So anyway, so so little resistance gets all three skulls. Doesn't really have a plan. Doesn't doesn't really have a plan. It's like, okay, well, I guess if they have like really cool superpowers now. I don't know. <laughs> and uh and then it's revealed, well, actually it doesn't matter because there's like a fourth skull and it's like a ring that the Phantom always has anyway. 
That and he's always <laughs> punching people with and leaving scars on their face. Right. So, so one, there was the scramble to get all three of these skulls away from this guy was actually never that dire. No. Apparently. Which is knowledge that his father's ghost would have had. Which is exactly why I'm not sure if it's actually a ghost or if he's just kind of like a weird dude. Um, so that was stupid. Yeah. And it was really easy for the Phantom to use his, his laser ring, his Schwartz, if you will. Yeah, it was literally, I was about to say that. It's literally a Schwartz ring. <laughs> it's <laughs> so dumb. To, this came out like a decade after that movie, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll just use the Schwartz ring." Yeah, and then so in a in a in a laser battle, like like Harry Potter and Voldemort, yeah, Voldemort style, yeah. <laughs> which by the way was like all post production, which means that there were these two like grown men on just silent film sets, like, yeah. and. What happens? These are all thoughts I had as well. <laughs> what happens to Xander Drax? Do you remember what happens to him? He just turns into a giant ball of flame. He, he explodes like like a like a boss in like a Super Nintendo game. Just like explodes in like flame balls. The skulls all explode <laughs> into flame. Like it's not like viscera and like entrails flying around. It's just flame. he immediately becomes Boom. pure methane. Yeah. And he explodes so slowly that even though Phantom is like 20 feet away, Phantom has like 20 seconds to like gather his wits, realize that there's a chain that's being pulled out of the room, grab the chain, go out of the room. And then more flame comes. And I was just like, nah, bro, this ain't it. (laughs) However you get rid of this bad guy, this ain't it. So I loved I would love that. Yeah, I uh, that was that was an interesting sequence, to say the least. I also thought that right right before that final, uh, you know, murdering of the bad guy by turning him into methane, I think the kill of the movie goes to shooting the Italian mob boss with a fucking cannon. Yeah, that was sweet. They really was, aimed that extremely well. They, they, so they set it up pretty quickly, like, hey, we're going to shoot this cannon at you. The guy doesn't move. And then however they film that special effect of that guy getting shot by a cannon, that looked fucking boss. I thought that was one of the best like little practical stunts in this entire movie was shooting that, you know, whatever uh, mannequin with a, with a cannonball. With a cannon. <laughs> it, it, it fucking read on screen as though something got hit really hard. <laughs> um but yeah, that was that was uh, that was fun to the point where I made a little note about it. You know, one other detail that I forgot to mention that I think is important is that through everything, there's this secret evil organization, right? There's like a specter that are called like this, like Sing something. So let's just call them the Foot Clan. And so the, the Foot Clan. Do the do the thing that secret organizations always do in like movies and comic books. They're like, well, we're going to be a super secret organization, but we're going to have very easily identifiable tattoos in very prominent places like, in our bodies, on our faces sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it'll be fine. And then you know, everyone is like, okay, well, like that guy's part of that organization. But one of the things that's really funny about how they handle that in this movie is. 
this guy does a bunch of like a library research and comes back with like this image and pulls it out of an envelope and like unfolds this like piece of vellum. And it's just like a fucking, it's like a web. It's like a spider web. Like that's a tattoo. And he's like, this is like really fucking special image. There's like no secret. There's like nothing to decode. It's not like a tag where there's like I thought it was going to be a map. Anything. Yeah, there's nothing. And then I thought it was going to be a map to the last skull and it, they right. were just like, no, nah, it's a spider web. It's a spider web. And the best part is they don't just leave it there. It's like it becomes such a special object that in like a subsequent scene when this this guy's daughter is like flying to investigate, she pulls the same envelope out and then un unfolds this vellum again to like really examine this like fucking web. That's it. So just memorize it. It's a web. That's it. Yeah, you you didn't and then she instead of like crumpling it up and like throwing it on the other side of the plane. I have to hide that tucks it into her boot. (laughs) So I won't remember that it's so Catherine Zeta Jones can find it later. And now we're transitioning to the Catherine Zeta Jones part of this podcast. Yes. Because a smoke show, yes. way to go! Nice. You're hot. She was awesome. Two, <laughs> she was a female Billy Zane. Uh, again, uh, uh, she's she's great in this because she's just like over the top and bombastic, and not a lot, not enough characters are correctly uh, ascertaining what movie they're in. Catherine Zeta Jones gets exactly what movie oh, she's yeah. in. She did great. She shammed it up. Phenomenal. Yeah. So she's like th- the main female baddie for most of the film, but yes. then she just like kind of pivots and is like, I'm thirsty for that Zane cop. She gets <laughs> dude, she's like and she's so like, down for Zane. She's like Literally, you in the purple costume, I want to fuck you. You in the normal 1930s costume, I want to fuck you too. (laughs) What? You're the same guy? I don't care. Bang me. (laughs) To the point where she just like switches teams because she just wants that Billy Zane cock. And if, if she kills him, then she can't get it. But she's literally at one point is like, hey, when you're done with the body, bring it to me. It's like, is Catherine Zeta-Jones going to fuck the deceased corpse of Billy Zane? Catherine Zeta-Jones was super desperate. Yeah, it was weird. Remember, too, that she the way she explains the, the this chick <clears throat> who was not Catherine Zeta-Jones and Billy Zane were like DTF for each other, where she's like, well, they must be in love because like you didn't want to fuck me. Yeah, she's like, oh, and and then the main bad guy's like, it could have been poor judgment, <laughs> but it's like obviously someone would want to fuck you more. Yeah, uh, no, Catherine Zeta Jones is just chewing scenery in this film. It reminds me of uh, the female antagonist in Goldeneye, where it's just like they're in a different movie. Uh, oh yeah, where Natalia. Yeah, where she's killing people with her vagina. Like, that's a different movie than the rest of Goldeneye. Yeah. Um, and and Catherine Zeta Jones uh just totally realizes like this is campy, absurd bullshit. Like, just take it to ten. Uh and I really enjoyed her performance and I I didn't remember it at all as a kid, and like for good reason, like that just wasn't on my radar. But it like her her wanting to fuck the corpse like made her immediately my favorite character. I was yeah, like, she, you're she, hilarious. She, <laughs> she was really funny. 
speaking of uh, sexual innuendo, uh, they yeah, Billy Zane and Lady are are trapped on a plane that is going to crash because reasons. I don't know why they couldn't just put it down in the field that they were flying over, but that's beside the point. Uh, are you talking about that horse? <laughs> before he jumps onto the horse which by the way the horse is like I'm going to run as fast as this plane because <laughs> he can because of course uh, I mean no. they were like kind of neck and neck for a while like did the horse did the plane slow down did the horse speed up like how did they both all right both uh, the plane reading of the film is both. <laughs> uh, plane reading no pun intended um, but no at, at one point Billy Zane who is very very attracted to the girl he just rescued because as we later find out they have history uh like gets out of the cockpit of the plane and is next to the girl and he's like we have to jump out onto the horse and she's like but who's flying the plane and he's like i jammed my stick and i was like yo "Mm, i bet you did I bet you did. You've been real excited ever since you saw this lady. Now, yeah, now this, he he does make another reference to jamming his stick at the end. So remember the the legend of the phantom, right, requires that there's always someone to take the phantom's place. And that means... Yeah, his son. Yeah. So like white male heir. So like all of those short rounds, like can't, can't be the count. phantom. Can't no. be the phantom. You- you can be my, be my like fix me up slave. You can be my Alfred, but you can't. You can be my Alfred, or you can be my Robin, but you can't be my next Batman. So yeah, so <laughs> exactly. Like that's how you make the Joker, man. Phantom Two, like. So, but anyway, so at the end when he kind of like reveals who he is, he's like, "I wouldn't take off my mask unless like." I'm about to plug you. Yeah. Like, so now you have to move to this island and I like, fuck you. And you just like give natural childbirth and like, hopefully it's a son. And like, and she's like, that's fine. And like, that's the end of the movie. (laughs) She's like, yeah, let me just, let me just get my stuff. I'll be back. Let me get my stuff. There were, there were several opportunities where in the year, you know, 2020 2021 that this movie would have been like uh this movie would have had the the female protagonist save herself because they make her a strong female lead in a couple of scenes yes where she's like uh basically like gets herself out of trouble on the airplane she kind of princess leia's it yeah yeah and there's a couple there's a couple situations where she's kind of a little bit of a badass and in a more modern movie would lean into that but like this movie just like makes her less and less uh badass as as the movie goes on to the point where he's like well pff, you gotta fuck me now where is it would have been really just kind of funny if she'd been like like no i have shit to go back like i have a life like you can come follow me but no, we're not staying here. <laughs> like, but yeah, no this this movie is not about uh, uh, upsetting the establishment. It's just about like finding tropes and trying to uh, trick the Batman uh, Returns audience into going to see Billy Zane as as a superhero yes. while he runs while he runs like a Tyrannosaurus Rex because <laughs> he never puts his arms all the way down. <laughs> and it really bothered me. 
I don't know if you noticed it, but I hated it. It's just the 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 purple unitard with the hood, just like isn't. How did they have the? How did they have? Extremely dainty. He looks like he's in great shape. He's in great shape, and that's fair enough. But how did they have the technology to sublimate like uh, a skull design onto his a a unitard? Yeah, like the in, Punisher, like a like a much yeah, lame purple version in of the Punisher. Nineteen thirty-eight, like that—that's like stuff that, like, if unless you spend a lot of money, you can't get like a sublimated pattern like that to look good. I mean, today. I don't even—I don't even think spandex existed then. Was it even spandex? No, no. no I'm sure that was like a nineteen. And he's on an creation. island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this he is, he like digs a hole and like bullshit. takes a dump in it. He's like, there's no technology on this island. He's at the end of the movie. He says the line, and I quote, "I was born in this cave." Yeah, like, this is not a dude who's lived a a, a very uh, you know prestigious elite life. Uh, yeah. yeah, he got educated in America, but that was that was the oddball part of his life. The rest of his life has been like you said shitting in a hole and like <laughs> hunting for crabs in a cave like yeah well while just wearing this unitard like he's walking around like fucking Freddie Mercury on this maybe island. he doesn't maybe he doesn't have to do that stuff because his short rounds will just fix everything for him it's possible yeah all right well uh, Mike that's a good place to stop for now let's take a quick little break and we'll be right back with more next week on subject to blackout I am coming to you live from a currently soggy but mostly steamy Orlando, Florida. While currently on vacation, we're taking a break this next week, but we'll be back with more movies, television, and pop culture reviews just as soon as I get back from vacation. While there's been a bit of a delay in this week's pod, that's because I'm on vacation and the internet at my hotel is suboptimal. However, we press on. I am editing this pod today, hopefully posting it same day, and that should tide you over with the delayed release until next week's pod. Once again, we'll be back in August with some more brand new content, but until then, stay tuned for more Subject to Blackout. We are back. Mike, I I just wanted to wrap up a couple more things about... Our viewing of of the Phantom. Uh, one of the scenes that, as soon as it started, I immediately remembered from a kid and being horrified and hating that scene was the librarian espionage scene, where he is asked to look into a uh, microscope because apparently this very bold librarian has been giving up. The, the terrible secrets of our evil bad guy, Xander, uh, that he's been looking up certain books. You know, like librarians do. Tell tales on people for what they they read. Um, and then he gets, like, knives to his eyes by looking into this microscope. I completely forgot about that scene. And then as soon as it happened, I was like... <gasps> Oh my god! What a I, stupid scene, but yeah, so dumb, just absolutely dumb. Oh my, what a weird thing to have with a microscope. Correct. 
and it stabs yeah. you in the eyes. And like, yeah, he put a thing that said liar so that when he looked through it, the last thing he would see is the word liar. And then it yeah. stabs you after you register. Yeah, it was real dumb. But uh, but yeah, I, I like could not watch that scene as a kid. I remember not like being squeamish about that and it just being a complete joke uh, in modern day. And the last thing that I'll say about this movie, and I, I won't speak for you, but if you are someone who's our age and is feeling nostalgia for this type of film, I think <clears throat> The Mask of Zorro mm-hmm. and The Mummy with Brendan Fraser yes. are much better options to revisit a much more fun, much more adventurous uh and much uh, bolder versions of kind of taking this sort of nostalgia for, you know, the 30s or nostalgia for, for cartoon characters or, or what have you and, and do it a lot better. This movie is perfectly fine, but there are movies who get this sort of feel a lot better. I think, yeah, if you're going for like an adventure movie route, even going back into the 80s for Raiders of the Lost Ark or Romancing the Stone is probably the way you want to go. And then even even a contemporary one, the the most recent Jumanji with The Rock. Reboot, That's really great. Re, yeah, reboots this kind of like model of like 80s and 90s adventure movies really effectively, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, I totally agree. So, so I would say, if you want the spirit of this movie, I would even say go for go for Jumanji. All right, Mike. Now that we've wrapped up 1996's slash Billy Zane's The Phantom, Billy Zane, you got to get me some Billy Zane rosé. I, I saw it on sale for only twenty nine dollars. So I'm gonna I'm did gonna, you? I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get me some Billy Zane rosé. Yeah, let's let's get some Zane. Some Zane. <laughs> we'll, wa- we'll watch a different Billy Zane movie. I don't know what that would be. It's either Titanic or Zoolander. I don't think he's in any other films. Yeah, Billy Zane. Uh, but Mike, uh, has there any, been any other media or culture or television or film that you've been reviewing this week that you'd like to talk about? I have not. I don't really have much else going on. It's been it's been kind of busy. But like one thing I have been doing is because the Phantom was so easy for us to find you can watch it for free on pluto tv Uh, that is pluto.tv if you'd like to join us i've been looking for other movies from the 90s that are just like nobody wants to claim them so they're just kind of like orphans on the net (laughs) and i found a couple of them and i haven't watched them yet but i'm gonna watch them like in the next couple of weeks and they are uh, warriors of virtue do you remember that one i do not okay it's um, kind of like a Hong Kong American movie that tried to capitalize on Power Rangers in all the worst ways. There are these like these kids. This kid is like in a fucking wheelchair. It's like a whole fucking thing. Anyway, he can, like Avatar style, he can like use his legs in this uh, alternative universe where there's a bunch of kangaroos who know kung fu. Warriors of Virtue. So I did find that one, and that one's also just kind of available. And Star Kid, in which this child comes upon and assumes the 
I guess, like, driver position in this, like, alien Gundam that he kind of, like, finds in a in a junkyard and just sort of hijinks ensue. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've tracked those down now that I know Phantom is out there. So, But I haven't watched anything yet. Huh? Um, you actually kind of remind me one of the things that I've been consuming this week is I've actually... I've been a fan of uh, Red Letter Meter for a minute. Um, I uh, I mostly just watch their semi-serious and serious reviews, um, uh, which would be uh, Half in the Bag, which is where they sort of talk about something that just came out, and uh, their review, which they talk about older films. And after our podcast of uh, the uh, Predator, or Predator, I should say, uh, I watched their review of that just to kind of uh, refresh my memory on, on on what they had to say. And and I think a lot of what they do is very funny and very entertaining. But what I have actually gotten into recently uh, that I've never really watched before is their uh, Wheel of the Worst movies where they just mm-hmm. or, or, or Best of the Worst movies where they'll watch several just terrible films. Um, and I've had a very, very fun time like making dinner and just sure. like listening to them ingest just toxic sludge films. Sure. Um, and it's been very funny. Uh, it's something I've been doing kind of in the background this week as I prepare for a vacation, which I segue to, to mention only to say that we are going to be off next week. So there will be no review, but the following week we will be back with a review and uh, maybe some talk of some Ted Lasso. I don't know how much Ted Lasso you uh, have encountered in your life, but if you've, I can get to it have, in the next couple of if weeks. You I haven't, haven't watched it yet. You haven't watched it yet. Oh, if you haven't seen Ted Lasso, it's uh, it's a personal favorite of mine, and pretty much everyone. It has the most uh, first season Emmy nominations of any television show ever. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's great. It combines two things I love, good TV and soccer. Um, and that is why we were going to be off next week is because I am headed down to Florida to watch some soccer, take a little vacation and uh, enjoy it. So uh, I would expect radio silence from us next week. But the following yeah. week, uh, once August returns, we'll be back and start doing some more uh, regular weekly podcasts. That's right. All right, Mike. Well, uh, just about does it for us on this week's Subject to Blackout. So for those of you listening along, you can head over to subjecttoblackout.com or you can reach out to us on any of the links there to our socials, including Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. You can also feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on any of those. And lastly, you can always find Mike and Instagram and Twitter at Name Taken Podcast. Mike. I want to thank you for joining me. Cheers, Sam. 